Hi, everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host, Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? Robbie, uh, were you aware the suicide jokes were funny? Because I wasn't. But this episode completely turned me around on them. I'm going to defend this episode, Matt. All right? Oh, okay. All right. Tell me why this episode is good, Robbie. Or at least throughout the episode. We Tell will, me why. We will. We will. Well, I'm not gonna. It's I. I. I'm gonna defend this episode. This is a good. I'll say this is. A, I accept this as Simpsons canon. We're gonna get there. Uh, I think starting next season, we're gonna officially start can canonizing episodes officially or not. But I will defend this episode. I'm for it, not against it. We'll get into it. Hi guys, we are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. For only charge a month, gain access to all of our bonus content, including a bunch of, a bunch, bunch of bonus episodes, reviews of New Simpsons episodes, reviews of King Vale and Rick and Morty, and even some Bob's Burgers in there. On to this week's episode, Matt. This is Mo Baby Blues, episode EABF17, originally aired May 18th, 2003, and is the final episode of season 14. Uh-oh. That means trivia is over after today, right? You've already won, Matt. You already clinched it. Why do you, you don't have to... I know. Yeah, you just wanted to bring that up, didn't you? Rub mm -hmm. it in. Yep. Rub the dirt in. Uh, twist the knife, as they say. Uh, this is a written by J. Stewart Burns, directed by Lauren McMullen. Got a 13.44 rating, good for 20th on the week. It beat last week, our last episode, because they aired on the same night back-to-back. -back. This did better ratings than it, which... I'm glad because this is a better episode than last week's episode. Oh yeah, for sure. The Bart of War. Um, the couch gag, the living room is made of gingerbread and candy. Simpsons are gingerbread people who rush the couch. Homer takes a bite out of Bart's head. It just makes me kind of want some gingerbread. I don't even like gingerbread. It just makes me want cookies in general. You don't like gingerbread? Nah, it's too spicy for a cookie. It's the whole charm of it. Exactly, which is... You dip it in milk. It shouldn't be spicy. I mean... That's the beauty of cookies, though, Matt. They can be anything. Oh, that's true. I'm just saying, I don't want. I don't want anything to be spicy except for savory foods. No sweet and spicy. I mean, no, it's spicy, uh, but it's not hot. It's just like it's. It just tastes like spices. Exactly, which I don't like. I don't like tasting the spices. <laughs> I like them to subtly influence the flavor. I don't want to be able to taste. Oh, that's ginger right there. Which I don't even like ginger. Period. So that's probably where a lot of. Whoa. You don't like ginger? Oh, no, Matt. I do not like ginger. Oh, no. Uh, the guest, this was a guest star, is Joe Montana as Fat Tony. He, wants to, he does a good job, as always. He is Fat Tony uh, for, to a certain extent, so it's not... Joe Montana can just kind of summon Fat Tony at will, I'm pretty sure. Uh, this episode begins with a trip to the Botanical Garden. Uh, the family going to the Botanical Garden. Uh, it's a good as, as way as any for an episode to start. A family go the family go into a place to do a thing. And in this instance, it is both to see the botanical garden, but also to see the Sumatran century flower, which blooms once every 100 years. This is not a real flower as far as I know. Thank goodness, because if that smell was real, I mean, really, it's just durian is all that it is. So I was going to say that's a durian tree. I was going to say it's a corpse flower. Also that. Because that's what corpse flowers, they, they bloom in very small periods of time, and they smell very bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is just like a, <laughs> a, 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 a rarer corpse flower. That's fine. Um, there was, there was a very, a very well-known corpse flower in Edmonton. Ugh. I didn't... <laughs> it's very beautiful, 
just doesn't smell very good. Um, but we get some jokes here about Homer not knowing how many apostles there were. He thinks there were seven, not twelve. I was going to say he thinks they're a comedy, they're a writing team, Matt. A comedy writing team. Oh, rather than like a comedy duo? Yeah, like they were, he was writing, they all wrote for Jesus. They were the writing room for Jesus. That's true. Less of a comedy troupe. What Homer is presupposing. Um, but uh, there's a Venus flytrap. It bites Homer. It lures him in with a hot dog. Uh, if you're if you're hoping for this episode not to be incredibly silly, I'm I have bad news for you. It's very yeah, it silly. Goes from silly to a little bit outrageous and back to silly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it does. I, I mostly can forgive it, but it is absolutely very silly, including a Venus flytrap having a hot dog for a tongue. Uses a, it lures in Homer, and then Homer eats the Venus flytrap in a turn. Um, all this is going on. We get the the family at the botanical garden. We cut back to Mo. Uh, he is alone at Moe's, and he's wondering what's going on. John, it's 11.15 in the morning, and the bar is empty. I'm live at the Springfield Botanical Gardens, where we're minutes away from the blossoming of the Sumatran century flower, which only occurs once every hundred years. Hey, those are my customers, slash only friends. Where are they getting their beer? Yeah. A cooler? I've been replaced by a cooler? And who can blame them? Mm. No point in moping around. Might as well join them and have a jolly old time. <laughs> oh, better set the alarm. It's a very useful alarm. I, how does Mo disarm that alarm? I assume he comes in through the back. <laughs> That's not a very good alarm if you just go through another door and it doesn't work. I didn't say it was a good alarm. I said it was Mo's alarm. Okay, fair enough. Mo's alarm, for those who have not watched the episode, is a shotgun pointed at the door, triggered by a rope. So don't open that door. Um, but Mo is, I don't know. I, I, this episode doesn't play. I mean, it plays his sadness for laughs at times, but it doesn't go into too much of that. Cause you, you made that joke at the, at the very beginning of this episode where you talked about, isn't suicide funny? It, I don't think it ever makes a joke about suicide. You know, that's a good point. They ever they never try to make it funny. It's just Mo is going to do this because he feels so sad and then something brings him out of it, which is not really intended is played for laughs. So you're right. It's just since this uh, has happened with Mo so many other times that they've tried to make his suicides funny, I guess I just have a twitch reaction to it. But in this particular case, they don't actually play it up for laughs. You're right. Yeah. And in this episode, I don't get me wrong. This episode has a lot of dark Mo in it. And a lot of him making really terrible jokes and being terrible, a terrible person in general, because that's kind of what he is. That's what Mo. he's a scumbag. He's a dirtbag. He's not a good person necessarily, but he's our bad person. And I think that's why, you know, where where he has a heart, where he has that good part inside of him somewhere. He's even a more extreme Homer, where Homer can be mean sometimes he can be selfish he can be thoughtless but he has a heart of gold there's a good inside of him and once he realizes he's done something wrong he tries to correct it and mo is an even more extreme version of homer where mo is homer but he's never had a family he's never been redeemed so it's even more harsh so when he's vitriolic he's extremely more vitriolic he's more misanthropic than homer or any other cast members ever get and i don't mind it in this instance because they do contrast it a lot with maggie basically 
Uh, we're not there yet. Mo runs down to the botanical garden because every, I guess everyone's there. Everyone wants to see this flower. I guess it's a pretty interesting thing. It's a once a century flower. You're not going to get another chance. No, it's, it's like, oh, yeah, you're 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 full of people. No one else can get in. and Someone's got to be kicked out for a once in a century kind of thing. That's pretty messed up. Yeah, it's I mean, it's Springfield, man. It's fair enough. Like, yeah. I don't there's this episode largely doesn't do the thing where I go. That doesn't make sense. This isn't what real life is like. There's plenty of situations where people get kicked out of very rare events because there's not enough room or they were too late or whatever. Uh, that happens all the time. So I don't question this once and for even a second. Um, Mo shows up. As soon as he shows up, Wiggum realizes, like Matt just said, that the Botanical Gardens is over capacity. Someone's got to go. Uh, people, we are officially over capacity. We got to kick one person out. Someone who's alone, already bitter. Someone whose feelings have been trampled on so many times. One more won't make any... Oh, Mo. <sighs> Yeah, that's me, all right. Sorry, Mo. You can either walk out with dignity or I can push you down this muddy hill. I'd prefer that you push me, seeing how I'm desperate for any human contact. All right, thanks a lot. So Mo's pushed down a muddy hill. And then I think there's even a moment where he rolls again. He stops for a second and then starts rolling some more because he's not far enough down the muddy hill. Well, if you're going to get to the bottom of Muddy Hill and you're already muddy, might as well keep rolling. I guess, it's, yeah, rolling, roll. Remember that song, Matt? Limp Biscuit? Rolling, rolling, rolling. Rolling, 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 rolling. What? That's terrible. Limp Biscuit was terrible. Um, yep. I listened to them all the same because I was a teenage boy in the early 2000s. Um, everyone's there waiting for this big flower, waiting for this very special moment. Flower opens. Guess what, Matt? Smells bad. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So we get a huge stink cloud that's not even just, it's not even smelly though. It's like, it's like acid because it kills everything it touches. Like all the other plants die. Because it smells so bad. I, I don't know if you know this, Robbie, but bad smells can kill you. It's again, it's, it's another miasma. <laughs> miasma. It's very silly kind of cartoonish moment. Because the the stink the stench is so powerful, it kills all the other plants. Everyone is there's a like a stampede of everyone running out of the botanical gardens. They they crush a lot of plants that the stink flower doesn't kill. Krusty hides in a pile of manure because it smells slightly worse. I don't really. I honestly, I I think it just speaks to the fact that I grew up. I drove past on the way to school a cow farm every day of, of my childhood. <laughs> that the smell of manure does nothing to me anymore. Like, it does not bother me. Nope. It's just whatever. Yeah. If you also, Matt, grew up in near Ocala, you're gonna... If you grew up in central Florida, north, central northern Florida, you're probably smelled a lot of cows. A lot of cows, a lot of horses. A lot of horses. A lot of, a lot of livestock in general. Yep. Uh, or anyone is used to live, smell of livestock and manure. It's not that bad anymore. It's just kind of very earthy. Um, crowd runs away. Uh, Mo is very sad. Because of course he is. He got, he doesn't know. He doesn't know that the, the the flower is a terrible smell. He thinks he missed out on this once in a lifetime event. Uh, and it's just, it's another, and like, I, I think this episode does a good job at using our knowledge of Mo and the, all the, the sad things that have happened to him throughout his life. The very, you know, like it, it uses that as flavor. It doesn't necessarily call upon a specific memory of any one specific incident, but 
the down on his luck perpetually alone Mo is good enough for, for me. I don't need to have more incidents than this one specific incident to illustrate Mo's sadness. And why Mo would want to kill himself. Because we don't know that, but that's what he's on his way to do at this point. Uh, Everyone's fleeing from the Botanical Garden, and in doing so, they have a traffic jam. Because, I guess, there's not the roads that are not built up near the Botanical Garden. Where's Where's our civic engineer, Matt? That's a great question. It turns out Springfield doesn't have great engineers of any type. I guess that's true. I'm trying to, re- I'm trying to think of one example of good, and I can't. So you're you're right. <laughs> um, so there there's a traffic jam. All this is happening all at the same time, and there's a traffic jam. Homer sees is like falling asleep at the wheel. Lisa wakes up. And is like, hey, dad, there's an opening. Go go go. So Homer steps on the gas, drives as fast as he can, and can't see that the traffic only moved ahead like you know 100 feet or whatever and he can't stop until it's too late so he ends up crashing into the back of the car in front of him and then we get a slow motion shot of maggie in the back seat she's in a car seat it's in a what is it apparently what, a very bad one well it says i think the the they zoom in on the little latch and it says nevar break or crapper crappy latch or something like that there's a little a little sight gag on the actual latch that is latching her into the car seat. It breaks. It snaps. Maggie is launched out of her car seat. The windshield is already broken when he crashed into the car ahead of him. So she launches, flies through the air, out of the car, into the air. Um, and obviously, Marge and Homer and the rest of the family going crazy. They just watch their baby fly out the window. They're terrified. And that is when we cut so we see Maggie flying through the air, then we cut to Mo, who is about to jump off a bridge. This is it. The last call for Mo. God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Mo, thank God you saved my baby. That hideous man is a hero. <laughs> Life don't seem so hard no more. So what you what we hear there, what you don't see, is uh, Maggie smiling and then kissing Mo, and then he smiles. Um, we go to commercial five minutes and thirty five seconds in. Not a very short first act it gets us right to the plot. It does. It's it's downright strange, honestly. Uh, when we come back, uh, we see that Mo has come to visit Maggie. He we come to the, the Simpson home. Marge has made him a sweater to thank him for his altruistic actions, uh, which, to be fair, it was really lucky. But hey, Mo did it anyway. Uh, we see that Maggie is just crazy uh, about Mo. She he, she runs right towards uh, Mo as soon as you know Mo comes in. Uh, Homer runs off with some imaginary issue, uh, so he can't obviously take care of Maggie if something were to happen. He, or just, he, oh, look, something he, is well, happening. Well, wait, wait. He doesn't. There's no imaginary issue, Matt. He goes to work because he's in Burns' carpool. Oh, that's right. That's right. This is that. Yes, he's somehow in Burns. Like I guess it's supposed to be in the morning. Uh, so Homer runs off to work, and then uh, Marge sees Abe wandering down the street in his bathroom, which he soon sheds, and you know, saying crazy things. Uh, and of course, Marge, uh, feeling uh, responsible for her father-in-law, runs after Abe and says, "Hey, Mo, can you watch Maggie?" And of course, Mo is once again thrilled uh, about this because oh, you know, someone trusts him. 
with their child, which is a big deal for Mo. And, and Maggie is is very happy about it. So Marge runs down the street. She eventually catches Grandpa, even once he loses the robe. Uh, meanwhile, Mo and Maggie are having a tea party uh, because they're just having fun. And uh, it's it's not quite a tea party. Mo is playing bartender and even like kicks out a drunk, uh, who a raggedy Andy, who is giving Maggie the button eye, as it were. Uh, but that's Matt, Matt, great. Mo is having. I'm gonna say I thoroughly enjoy every scene with Mo and Maggie alone together because they look like they're both having fun. You're right. This is just. I don't want to say it's like the most interesting thing in the world, but everyone's happy for some reason. It's it's so strange. Like Mo, for once, is is actually genuinely happy at what's going on. Not even a hint of like uh, vitriol uh, is is sent to pretty much anyone. While Mo is with Maggie, and Maggie is is very happy about it too, because I assume, hey, look, a male father figure type is paying attention to her, something that Homer never ever does. So, yeah, it's 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 sweet. It and it brings out the best in Mo. It brings out like there's that one cutaway gag in the older one of the older episodes uh, where Mo is reading Pretty Women at uh, what's it? Little Women, Little Women, not Pretty Women, Pretty Women. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> Mo is slight difference. The movie, pretty Women, Pretty to women. Homeless People. <laughs> um, yeah, he's reading Little Women, and like there's there's those moments where you know that that one little cutaway gag does so much for Mo's character, gives us a little bit of insight into. Uh, that he has a softer side. It's there somewhere inside of him. And one, we've had such a dearth of that in the last few seasons. So since the gold, since like ten, the Scully years, even in this year too, it's just a, just a lot of darkness. Mo is almost always, like you mentioned, the suicide jokes just over and over and over again. Even when it's not that it's just darkness and horribleness and there's no lightness there's no counterbalance there's nothing that's giving us the other side of it and so now it's just like oh it's mo being cute with a baby and not and none of it is is pushed towards maggie sure he's still misanthropic and mean to everyone else not to maggie he is frankly being a dad to her and it's sweet yeah it's like mo has been given responsibility for another you know creature for the first time in his life and he's saying oh oh i i I can do this i have a a great relationship with this all i have to do is not be terrible and it turns out he can not be terrible so we're lucky in that so yes at at this point we see uh maggie wanting to spend more time with mo and marge recognizes this so she says hey why don't you take her to crusty burger and mo does and uh well we can see that mo's good behavior is really only reserved for maggie (laughs) Ball pit. That's nice. One, two, three colors. You got them all. Oh, what a face. She looks just like you. You calling her repellent? Well, no, no, I was just... Because you ain't exactly Karen Allen yourself, you know. You idiot. I was trying to pick you up. Oh, great. Uh, well, why don't you play with the baby while I go rent a room? Ugh. Boy, that's one for the Christmas letter. What a nut. So, yes, as we can see, this new behavior of Moe's is strictly toward Maggie. It's not towards other people. He is still just being creepy at best. But that's okay. You know, we have Mo has made a human connection that he did not have before. And that's that's great. Uh, we get uh, a nice montage set to You're My Best Friend from Queen where Mo is being awful to other children. So apparently this new behavior is strictly towards Maggie. But again, that's still a step up. 
But now that Mo is spending all this time with Maggie, Marge has more time to make fancy meals for the family. She makes dim sum for Chinese New Year, and it looks delicious. I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. Like, they even have cool costumes and everything. It looks great. Uh, so at this point, Homer is starting to realize that he should probably be a better father to Maggie because Maggie, uh, whenever he, uh, Maggie and Mo are together, Maggie is trying to, you know, be happy with Mo and wants Mo to hold her and all those kinds of fun things. And it's starting to dawn on Homer that that's not how things should be. That's how his relationship with Maggie should be. Uh, Mo still is babysitting Maggie. Uh, he reads her Alice in Wonderland and highlights all the worst parts about basically uh, they're taking drugs and, and drinking awful things. Uh, but I, I'm partway gonna, through reading I, Alice can, in Wonderland. I will, I will say this, Matt, um, people, because there's a, I mean, it's a, this is a relatively modern thing where we have like a glut of fiction for children, readily accessible. It's really easy to get a children's book now that is not full of depravity. <laughs> but depravity okay i mean you would i would describe alice in wonderland as depraved probably yeah i would i would agree i don't it's nothing wrong, necessarily wrong with alice in wonderland but it is a very it's a depraved book and i mean i read even as even when i was a kid i read books that probably you shouldn't have read but it, the before before there were you know thousands of children's books easily available to us at any time sometimes you read books to kids like alice in wonderland and they didn't it's not like they know what you're saying it doesn't matter it's just a human voice especially when it's a baby true especially kids that young it's like they have no idea what exactly you're saying yeah i just wanted to defend alice in wonderland for like six seconds okay okay fair enough uh well while you're defending things how about what mo does next he starts to tell his own story which is basically the godfather <laughs> and uh as we will very much prove here that is is exactly the way robbie said is kids don't care you're talking to them you're using words to them and that's what's important to children you're spending time with them and you're talking to them and you're the focus of their attention uh because you should not tell the story of the godfather to children um it's more than a little creepy <laughs> why what's wrong with the godfather man it's a tale of old, as old as time uh-huh of uh, a crime family who's big on prostitution and numbers and, and killing for money and oh there's a power struggle for who's going to take over this neighborhood so you know they try and kill the, the children of michael corleone and his and him himself and then oh it ends up that uh, uh sorry not michael corleone video corleone and Vito's uh Matt, son has to go Matt, and kill all of them spoilers for the godfather yes spoilers for the godfather a 50 year old movie now not quite. I think I think it's only like forty something. It's forty something. Okay, a forty something year old movie. Spoilers. Yeah, there's we won't spoilers. get into Godfather Two, which Mo starts to get into. Uh, but yes, uh, we don't get to that. So uh, from this, we go on to Maggie's birthday party, uh, which we have no idea how old Maggie is here. Uh, I think they she's one. We make it. She's one. Oh, they, say, they say one. Okay. No, I didn't say one, but that's just me. She's one. She always whenever we oh, see, okay. whenever we see birthday party. They are always turning the age that we know them as, basically. Oh, that okay. Is, that is my assumption because they can't ever get older. So they are either the moment we see them, they are the age. They are ten. They are eight. They are one. They're not turning eleven. Bart doesn't ever turn eleven, Matt. Okay, fair enough. That's my guess. This is her first birthday party. Okay, so this is this is Maggie's first birthday party, and Mo shows up, and uh, well. He acts a little bit nuts. Oh, there she is, the birthday girl. Oh, your mommy tied a bow for you, huh? Oh, I'd better retie it the way you like it. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know it don't seem like it matters, but you know, she hates looking like crap. Mm-hmm. Hey, 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 Oshkosh Bagosh. She don't want what you're shoveling. Mr. Mo, my son was only playing next to this girl who is not your daughter. Yeah, sure he was, Nahasa Pasa. I'm raising a pervert. Back off, Mo. Maggie wants to be with me. This is how we play. This squirmy, wormy spider squirts out of Daddy's hands. Daddy feels rejected. He's gonna eat some cake. Oh, a rattle! <laughs> Thank you, Selma. Yeah, great present, Selma. Nice you to break a five. <sighs> Get a neck, Frankenstein. Hey, open my present. Open my present. It's Uncle Moe's play tavern with classic drunk Barney. Look, even a little toilet is broken. I don't know if toy drunkards are an appropriate gift for a baby. Sure they are. They even talk. Look. I peed my pants. I recorded that for private use. So, yes, as we can see, Mo is very defensive of Maggie uh, to the point where it's a little extreme and he's alienating other children. Uh, also, I don't, like to, I don't really see much of an issue uh, with uh, a one-year-old having a little toy bar playset uh, because they have no idea what those people are. They don't know what they're doing with them. They don't know why it's inappropriate. Maybe if they were like four or five and starting to learn what inebriation is and, and those sorts of things, maybe. But a one-year-old has no clue. The one-year-old says, this looks like a person and I'm going to smash them together. That's that's the extent of a one-year-old's ability to enjoy a toy like that. Yeah, they're not they're not really taking much in except for like, this is a thing I can pick up and move it around. Exactly. Um. So I don't, yeah, I don't, it, yeah, I personally laughed very, I laughed at when the, the, Homer figure says I peed my pants. I'm very actually honestly impressed by Moe's crafting abilities. I know, right? Like the fact that he made those, first of all, is amazing because they look really well done. And second of all, the fact that he made them talk, that's incredible. Like that that's hard to do today. Like you'd have to whip something up and to do that, you know, almost twenty years ago, that's that's downright makerish. Yeah. And I'm like I and I think that the like I this episode does a really good job of giving everyone reasonable motivation like we are mo is one mo is attached to maggie because he she basically saved her he saved her she saved his life and he saved hers that's like it's a it's a very simple kind of execution of an idea that's been it does it's been done a lot but they do it well. They make it so that, well, of course, Moe's protective of Maggie. Of course, Moe is going to be even rude to other people, even to Marge herself, to other children. He's rude to them in general. But now he's he has become that per- very overprotective father figure. And as much as you want to go, oh, that's mean. Why is he being so mean to the other little baby when you paint him as oh well he's basically her dad now you suddenly get and the fact that he's never had a he's never even like i guess he had that he has a cat we we have confirmed that mo has a cat shut up i'm asking her uh <laughs> that's true but it other than that like he's never taken care of a human before so of course he's overprotective at the same time mo uh, marge and homer are being reasonable it is their child, and sure, certainly Homer in particular doesn't give Maggie the attention she should get, but Marge generally does, even if maybe sometimes she does it poorly or because of she of her own 
how I don't know how how she has mothered and how she has learned to mother. Maybe sometimes she makes mistakes with Maggie, but it's not that she does it poorly or anything. You know, like I I don't necessarily go, oh, Moe's the bad guy here, but I also don't go, oh, Marge and Homer are the bad guy. And generally, I would say the Simpsons are better when they just pick a, an, an antagonist of an episode. But in this case, I don't really, they do a really good job of keeping it ambiguous and it working, which is not a thing I would expect from a season 14 Simpsons episode after watching the entirety of season 14. Uh, no, this is like, must've been something they've been saving the entire season. Let's go out on something really good. Uh, because like you said, all the characters have believable motivations and, no one is the bad guy everyone just wants uh something from their perspective and there's conflict because that's just the way way it goes right and that's not something we get much of anymore unfortunately you are correct (laughs) (laughs) so yes uh at this point uh the family goes to bed. Uh, Homer and Marge start talking about how Mo is overstepping his bounds, uh, but they're interrupted by a cry from Maggie over the baby monitor. And they're arguing over who's going to go take care of it when Mo pops in to say, oh, he's got this. And of course, they are freaked out because why is Mo there in the middle of the night? Oh, it turns out he has his own baby monitor, which um is more than a little bit creepy. But that's OK. That's OK, because Homer... I was going to say this. This is and this is the thing. This is like here. This is where Mo crosses the line. And it, it clearly is, oh, this is too much, right? You and I both, right. you wa- anyone watching clearly goes, this is overstepping his boundaries. But it, that they need that moment. They need a something that disrupts this, this, this new status quo that they have created, right? And it's, oh, well, Mo, natural, it feels natural for Mo to be that character that oversteps his boundaries when he's found something that engages him. When he gets that human contact, finally, he's like, okay, clearly as he's overstepped his boundaries and it doesn't feel, I don't, it's the thing where I don't, I, I clearly recognize that Mo has overstepped his boundaries, overstepped the boundaries that he should. But I also, I don't get angry at Mo over this. I mostly am just sad for him. It's true because Mo, like you said, Mo has found the first real human connection he's ever had in his life, as far as we know, because we've seen his relationship with family is not great. And when you get something like that, it's a very powerful narcotic. And it's very obvious why Mo feels the way he does and why it's why he oversteps these bounds because he it's like a uh, basically it's a dopamine rush that he wants to get and so his motivation makes complete and utter sense but it's obviously something that we all as humans struggle with so you know it's 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 reasonable and the characters feel believable and it's just a bad situation all around because if mo had better relationships with other people then he wouldn't be so over invested in this one relationship and that's surprisingly good it's not the kind of thing we expect from the simpsons anymore even in golden years episodes it, it was rarely like this like there was oftentimes a, a clear antagonist where in this case there's no antagonist there's just poor circumstance but the important thing is here is that mo has overstepped that bound and because of that homer kicks him out and says no more being with maggie ever which of course crushes mo as we go to a commercial so clear conflict um clear drama as we move into the third act, 14 minutes, 19 seconds in. So we get a little bit of Mo just struggling in his life without Maggie. And this is the thing I actually want to applaud the most in this episode, Matt. Because they don't make more suicide jokes here. 
they that's don't true mo is just unhappy he's just sad and that's okay and like very throughout the entire show throughout the entire series up to this point for 14 episodes, 14 seasons there just there's like not a lot of moments where they just let characters be sad and give them the time and just let them be sad and especially in season 14 where we can't have any time to breathe to do anything for more than six seconds we have to move move move, move if we're stopping for anything um they just let they like they have some gags in here but it's not at the expense of most like well help mental health it's just like oh well mo is sad and he's like treating a ham like it's maggie because he's like trying to like compensate for not having this person that he grew to love over a amount of time and it's not it's just sad and that that's and it's perfectly okay that it's just that um then we get the strangest part of this episode and i don't know how to i i i think it works overall like i think it ends up working out uh it's just very odd and it feels a little bit out of left field i think more than anything else in this episode they do manage to tie it back together i guess a little bit with mo's godfather story um that's true and they they just have to manufacture some conflict that will bring everyone together which could have been much worse this could have been like a scully ending right and that's the thing like it could have been completely nonsensical but i think it does and i think it's it is my biggest like uh, like my lowest point for this episode my biggest critique is like this seems this just comes out of nowhere it seems but they do i think they do enough to tie it in early on with especially with mo's godfather story and so it's works out i think it could feel a little bit natural but that's okay i think i'm again i'm more forgiving at this point because i am so deprived of uh decent simpsons so maggie is now home with marge and homer uh mo is is back in his apartment they're separated maggie is alone in a room and she overhears the springfield mob talking right outside her window and talking about they want to kill the castellanetas <laughs> which come on guys I know. I thought that was a pretty good joke, honestly. Uh, it's very indulgent. Like, use another name. There's thousands of names out there. Don't pick a name that one of your cast members. Like, I get it. It's not. I don't think it's that funny. I yeah, pick a different name. It's fine. It's not that bad. It's just it irks me whenever that I see that very much. Like, it's very showoffy. It's very like, ha! I like how this. We're clever. Like, don't just just be clever with picking a different name. But they're right outside her window, like literally in the side yard of The Simpsons. Like, why? It makes no sense. Why are they, con- like, they're not doing anything there. It's not like they're planning, the- it's not like, the- are they- do the Castanets live next door or something, or nearby? That's the only way I could rationalize it. Uh, who knows? <laughs> exactly. And it's it's just, like, it's very clearly, like, oh, they are here to, in- to create more conflict, and to give the characters something to pursue together. So... The mobsters are outside. They're talking about. They're doing mob stuff. They're like, "Oh, we need to kill the castle." And that is, they want. Uh, is it Louis? They want Louis to kill his own mother. Yeah, because she doesn't. Like, oh no! But she makes such good pasta sauce. Oh, she doesn't make her own pasta sauce, Matt. She buys it from the jar. So then she's worthy of death. <gasps> how she's, dare she? She's worthy to die. You kill she's her. A corpse. She's a corpse. You kill her after that. That's how dare she bought a jar of pasta sauce? An Italian buying jarred pasta sauce. God forbid you don't want to have to toil over a pot for a couple hours um 
But Maggie, remembering Mo's story about the Godfather, I guess decides she wants to follow. She she sneaks out and follows the mobsters. So Maggie is following the mobsters. Another like, well, are they just did they walk around town? Did they get like is she bumming a ride with them? We don't really We don't know because it doesn't matter. I guess not. It's all this is all plot device. And I think that's again, it's very it's very clearly a plot device, and I think that's my problem. They don't do a great job of hiding it. It's very much like, well, we need something to bring back to bring Marge and Homer and Mo together and demonstrate Mo redeem Mo f- for how he overstepped his boundaries, overstepped boundaries like that. Right. Th- that's what they need. So Mar- Maggie's gone and Marge goes to feed uh, Maggie, ter- sees, finds that she's missing. They immediately assume Mo is the one who took her. And that's a reasonable assumption. Given how this episode has gone. Yes, that is a very reasonable assumption. Considering he was already in their house taking care of her. There is when, yeah, they challenge him. He could escalate by taking Maggie. Makes sense to me. They the they call the police. The police go and them go to Mo's apartment. Or they are they look in and they see Mo putting something in the oven. Don't know why he, they would think he would be cooking Maggie. He loves Maggie. Yeah, that's a little weird. It's fine. Uh, the police department, as we find out very quickly, are incredibly inept, like always. Um, and they find out that Mo does not have Maggie. It's just a ham. Oh, thank goodness. Well, boys, looks like we solved the case of the missing ham. Let's go. No, we have to find my baby. Oh, Maggie's missing? Hey, you gotta let me help find her, please. We we have a special bond, even greater than her bond with the duck-shaped washcloth. Okay, you can help us. Well, I think we know when we're not needed. You guys are the world's worst cops. No, now that I'm off duty, I'm the world's worst soccer coach. <laughs> It looks like Maggie crawled through these bushes, spit up over here, and crashed her tricycle into the wall. Uh, no, that was me. Here's a clue! A discarded orange wedge. Orange wedge? (laughs) Marge, do mobsters ever congregate outside your house? All the time. Sometimes I bring them lemonade. Listen, I think we might have to make a trip to Little Italy. I'll get our little passports. Our little passports. I, I I like that line, Matt. I'm gonna admit I like that line. <laughs> I did giggle too. I'm just. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like. There's a multiple in this episode that are just like little throwaway gags that work well enough for me. I think because most of this episode is reasonable and heartfelt, that I can forgive some of the sillier things, some of the, even some of the darker jokes that I don't think land very well. Um. So. They go to Little Italy. They need to find Maggie. Then we cut to a vignette of a vignette of mobsters. We have it's a god. It's Godfather's. It's the Godfather. <laughs> we cut to the Godfather. I guess is what's what happens because the we get uh, the Springfield mob meeting with other mobsters. We don't know who they are. We've never seen them before, and we never will again. Not important. Not important. They're having a, a meeting. Um, it's clashes of, of power between the two groups and Fat Tony and the guys all spill wine on themselves so they can go to the bathroom so they can grab the guns they've stashed there. Of course. Of course. So, but while they're doing that, Maggie walks in on there and 
right in the middle of this confrontation as Fat Tony and his guys pull their guns. The other mobsters pull their guns. So there's a big uh, big showdown between all these guys. They all have guns. Maggie is caught right in the middle. Uh, just as this is happening, Marge, Homer, and Moe show up um, and don't know what to do. And we get Moe coming in, saving the day, and the ending of the episode. Maggie's right in the middle of that Italian-American-Mexican standoff. Oh my god, I gotta save her. No, you got a family. I'm the guy with nothing and no one. No, no, don't try to stop me. We're not. Your sleeve got caught on that tree. Here, let me unhook you. Off you go. Yeah, thanks. This is the second most guns ever pointed at me. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I wouldn't have minded if you shot me. But all that's changed because of this little girl here. Look at her. Ain't she a doll? <laughs> I ain't cried like this since I paid to see Godfather Tree. Here's your baby back. Thanks, Mo. I'm sorry we thought you were a baby napper. Or worse, am I right? Ah, hey, hey, the important thing is, little Maggie is safe. <clears throat> well, uh, I gotta get home. Uh, there might be a telemarketer calling or something. Um, I'll, I'll see you when you're old enough to drink, okay, Magpie? Oh, great, I'm caught in another tree. Lousy shirt-grabbing, sap-dripping... What? I don't think Maggie wants you out of her life, Mo. Mo, I was just thinking, if Maggie and I were in the neighborhood, maybe we could drop by and have a play date with you and your ham. We'd like that, Homer. And then we cut to a montage of Homer with the ham. Yes, because, you know. With more Queen playing. Um, I, I like, perfect. That's great. It's like the Mo going in because he feels that like it perfectly represents what the episode is telling us, you know, that Mo's life prior to Maggie was meaningless and empty. And now that Maggie is a part of his life, it has meaning again. And therefore he will go in and grab her risk getting shot, killed because she's in danger. And if she gets killed as well, there's no difference to him. Perfect illustration. And we get a little monologue. We get cute Maggie. Which is always helpful. Very nice. And like, it, it, like yeah, look at that cute baby. Mobsters aren't going to kill some baby. Mobsters are honorable criminals, right? Oh, of course. Mobsters <laughs> never hurt children, ever. Never. <laughs> never, Matt. They would never do that. Ever. Oh, boy. What, 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 what do you mean, boy? Are you trying to tell me that the reality is not like all those movies I've watched? I might be trying to tell you that. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, I really enjoy this episode. It is better the more I think about it, honestly. At first, I was just like, oh, you know, Mo being crabby, suicide jokes, yeah, yeah. But the more I, I, the more I realized that, hey, it's not that bad. They actually make sense. There's a logical progression. There's no weirdness. There's no crazy third act. They get right to the plot fairly quickly. It's a lot better than I thought. It, yeah. One, here, I'm going to applaud. One, it gets right to the plot and the story. It doesn't, there is no inciting incident to inciting incident, die inciting incident. There is one inciting incident. It is the botanical garden. And then there's a story that we are in for the rest of this episode. Even with this weird side, this sauntering into the mobsters, 
they do foreshadow a little bit with the Godfather stuff, which is helpful. You know, it's there. It's a little bit strange, but I can't forgive it because at the root of it, at the core of it is this Mo is this Mo story is his arc and it illustrates him. It, it makes us appreciate him more because it ties us to, to Maggie. who's this like little cute baby who can do no wrong, who is probably the actually best person on the show in, the, in Springfield. <laughs> Maggie is probably the only like true innocent left left i think so like everyone else is Makes sense. little shades of gray um and mo is generally very unlikable and like thoroughly misanthropic but when you see him react and take care of maggie in this way and sacrifice so much for her makes you appreciate him more and that is what the best supporting character episodes do matt they make me like those characters more and it carries through into the other episodes where maybe they're not a supporting where they're they're not even like a supporting character they're like a cameo mo shows up for one scene and says a thing but i remember this episode i go oh mo there's a heart in there somewhere he's a good guy somewhere deep down inside deep down inside deep down it's very far it's very deep but it's there i yeah like i i like this episode a lot it's again i'm i don't know what like they can do it matt that's the thing this is the thing that drives me crazy they know what they're doing. For some reason, it just doesn't want to. Why don't do this for all the episodes, guys? Hey, not just this one. Do it. Just do this, but 20 times. I, that's probably, A, there's the rub. Yeah. Doing that 20 times maybe might be challenging. Might be a bit tough. Might be tough. We'll rank it at the end of the show. Don't have to fix this one, Matt. You don't even have to ask me. Cut you off. Yay. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yay. It's nice when we get those. Um, we can move on to our next segment. Let's find the clip. It is time for comments on the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments on the news group is where I look through the NoHomers.net forum the week after the episode debuted to see what people thought of the episode at the time. Uh, they love this one, Matt. I, 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 a stopped clock is right twice a day. Uh you're right though. <laughs> they they <laughs> you're right. Uh they really they like, 64% gave this a perfect score, which is I think the highest percentage they've seen so far. Um and then 21 almost 22% gave this a 4 out of 5, so that's combined it's like almost 85%. Over 85% gave this a 4 or 4 or 5 out of 5. So everything else and then like there's only like five percent, less than five percent that gives this a two or one out of five. I don't know what those people are thinking. Maybe they just don't like Mo. It's very maybe. possible they just don't maybe. like Mo. Or maybe they don't like Maggie, and, those, and then they're true monsters. That might explain things even better. Whoa. They don't like Maggie. What's wrong with you? Are you okay? Right. You don't like Maggie. Uh, some reviews. They're all very, very glowing. First one. Wow. Five out of five. It's my favorite Mo episode now. Very good. It was actually funny with no lame lines. He had a good connection with Maggie. Uh, next we'll review wonderful episode it had the classic feel that a lot of people on this board crave since i my, since myself since i myself have an italian heritage thought the godfather mafia stuff was great another five out of five i do want to add i didn't i didn't call it out that marge line with uh, the italian american mexican standoff <laughs> thought that was really good um 
Next review. I have a classic, a feeling classic Simpsons lovers will love this episode. This one did have genuine emotion throughout. Anyone who had been whining about Moe's characterization this year better be satisfied here because he was incredibly funny by this character's own merits. The old Godfather undertone of the episode was very well done. So many great lines and sweet moments. Overall, just so enjoyable. Five out of five. And then finally, another good episode. The highlight for me was the spectacular animation. I gave it, give it a B or maybe even a B plus good season finale. Everyone liked it. I think for a good reason. Hey. Um, imagine watching the Bard of War and then watching this because that's what happened. It was back. And being to like, are these even the same show? I'm gonna, I'm gonna hate to break this theme. Matt. There are a couple. I read a couple reviews in here where they think Bard of War is better. Well, they're just not smart people. Then <laughs> it's possible. Maybe they just want something incredibly different from their Simpsons. Maybe. Um, but that's it. R- glowing. Everyone liked it. Uh, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for the list of questions of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week is, what is your favorite Kirk Van Houten quote? Tons of great ones. Uh, lots of Millhouse divided quotes uh, in here. Uh, so um, if you heard one you answered, I probably saw it like five times. So I'm not going to include all of them, but. Lots of Millhouse divided representation. First from Jenny at Hippie 200. Millhouse giving back his soul. I've got work tomorrow. Nah. It's a very good one. Uh, from Jess at Jess D240. It's dignity. Gah. Don't you even know dignity when you see it? Uh, from Steven at ST Redhead. Sorry we're late, but Luann had to put on her face. She doesn't want anyone to know she's got no eyebrows. What? You don't. Don't tell people that, Kirk, you idiot. Yeah. You don't tell your don't tell your wife's makeup secrets. You're lucky you know them at all. That's true, especially Kirk. He, he would be. It's Kirk. Matt, <laughs> I'm sure Matt, they would not Matt, enjoy. Matt Kirk K at the end, not Kurt. Kirk. Kirk. Whatever. You typed in Kurt the other day. All right, all right. I'm gonna say it here. You typed in Kurt the other okay, day in our notes. Fine. It's Kirk. I don't care. Like Captain. He is not worth my mental efforts. Oh, come on. He's sad. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Pathetic. Pity does not get you into my mental faculty. Uh, Kirk doesn't understand that. He thinks pity will get him everywhere. James at James underscore Warwick. I, for one, like to see the cafeteria menus in advance so parents can adjust their dinner menus accordingly. I don't like the idea of Millhouse having two spaghetti meals in one day. From Trails of Horror 6. It's a very good pull. It's a good quote. It is. Uh, it is. It's when you don't even realize it's Kirk, honestly. You're yeah. just like, eh, somebody said that, right? Well, Millhouse. This is good. This is what Mill has to have to spaghetti twice in one day for whatever. I mean, that's a lot of carbs. I guess that's fair. You don't want to give him too much carbs in one day. Probably get some vegetables. Yeah. Well, I would just, you know, get some vegetables in there. Spaghetti. Right. Yeah. Um, Ion Simpsons at Ion Simpsons. My favorite line to use when walking up to people. Oh boy, what's going on? Patio party? Uh, from Chris, uh, who attached a picture of his own tattoo. Do you want me to show this to the cat and have the cat tell you what it is? Cut the cows. The cat's going to get it. Because he has the, the, the dignity tattoo. I know multiple. I, yeah, very popular. I mean, it makes sense. It's a very good. It'd yeah. be, if I got a Simpsons tattoo, it would probably be in the running. The dignity. I think I'm going to, if I get a Simpsons tattoo, eventually it's going to be Frank Grimes. I'm going to do a Frank well, Grimes I'm, themed. I'm, obviously. Come on. Look at me. Uh, from Brian at board ATX. I sleep in a racing car. Do you? I sleep in a big bed with my wife. 
Ooh, burn. That's, that's a yeah. That's like the ultimate. Like yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't sleep in a race car. I sleep in a gigantic, a gigantic bed with a woman I love. That's yeah. I enjoy that. Uh, at a play a million, a play a million at O Benjamin. Uh, this whole bit is what works about him. He's basically an adult version of Melos, which is warranted when they need a complete dork in situations like this. And he's alluding to the uh, 22 short films about Springfield when uh, when Kirk asks. I remember when I was a kid, the store was a pet store. The rabbits <laughs> were right over there. Uh-huh. Uh, from Buffalo Phil. At Buffalo Phil. Can I borrow feeling? Can't. I mean, that terrible song. Can I borrow a feeling? Something, something, wings of love or some crap. Yeah. Kirk's yeah. terrible lyrics. Uh, from Lauren, uh, Rev and Lovejoy. Now, Kirk, it's only a game. Sometimes we... Aw, oh, cram it, churchy. Ah. Uh, from Timothy. Uh, just throw it over the fence. Let Arby's worry about it. All the Arby hate. The Simpsons have a lot of Arby's hate. A lot of uh, animated shows in general have a lot of Arby's hate, and I've never understood quite exactly why. I like Arby's. It's fine. I like Arby's. I don't know. I like their fries. They're yummy. They're delicious. They're their curly. fries are free. They're, they're in a run with checkers for the best fries anywhere. Arby's is better than checkers. Whoa. Uh, that's my here. Hot take. Arby's is better than checkers. Uh, okay. Finally from Andy. Uh, if you see a tie on the doorknob, that means I'm with a lady. Homer. But you don't have a doorknob. I don't have a tie either. <laughs> just, just, but so sad kirk is just so sad uh what is your answer man it's the race car bed uh, i mean honestly that just that that is emblematic of kurt's life and how sad it is and every time my wife is away somewhere for and i'm just like uh, uh, at least i don't i'm on a race car bed yeah you have your own bed i mean yes there, there's no i don't I think it just it it is, it is a perfect encapsulation of like what Kirk thinks swinging bachelor life is. He's like, I get a race car bed. I'm like a seven year old. My quote is also from Emilhouse Divided. Of course it is, but it's one no one answered. Uh, he's he's talking when it's when he's fired. Uh, you're letting me go, Kirk. Crackers are a family food. Happy families. <laughs> Maybe single people eat crackers. We don't know. Frankly, we don't want to know. It's a market we can do without. So that's it after 20 years? So long? Good luck? I don't recall saying good luck. That's <laughs> <laughs> the, just the cold terribleness of it. The poor Kirk, he just gets fired and doesn't even get wished good luck. Just get out of here because you got divorced, you get fired too. So terrible. Uh, but great, yeah. it's Kirk. Although I, I don't think anyone has ever succeeded uh, when they've said, oh, uh, that's a market we can do without. Okay, good luck. It's a different time back then, Matt. I guess so. Crackers. I mean, they, and the, to be fair, you know, they, I believe they, they blame Kirk for the fall of his, his cracker. That's company. true. That happened, but I feel like before he, uh, got the divorce. It did, but they say his mismanagement ended, had the Kirk, the cracker company, uh, tumble in success. But maybe it's not Kirk's fault. Maybe he's just trying to mitigate decisions made by above him like this guy is saying we don't need that market because quite frankly single people eat a lot of crackers that's true like i don't have to yeah, no, that's that's in the entirety of dinner cracker yeah when i was single crackers were a meal it's like crackers <laughs> you buy a box of crackers and you buy like the little tiny cheeses 
the little tiny squares, the cheese, party cheese, that's dinner there. I don't need to cook. I can just lay in my butt and like watch bad television and eat a cracker and some cheese and feel miserable an hour later. Sounds great. Great night. Next week's question is, what is your favorite Springfield attraction? The Botanical Garden? The Tire Fire? Santa's Village? You, I don't Pick anything from any episode. I don't care. You guys are all, you think outside the box, you do a good job of it. You can find this question on our social media. It's on Twitter, at Simpson Show Pod. You can find it on our Patreon. So you can go there. You can answer a question. You do not have to be a supporter to answer it or see it. Um, you can also email us with your answer, SimpsonsShowPod at gmail.com. Next up, Matt, it is time for your favorite segment. Not mine, unfortunately. Oh, not, you're not... just saying Well, yeah, Matt. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Yes. 100%. Yeah, I'm behind. I'm lo- I've lost. It's over. It's already over, but we're just continuing the charade. It is time for the No Google Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. It's the No Google Trivia Challenge, the part of the show where Matt and I each... Challenge each other with three favorite questions. One easy, one medium, one hard. Uh, Matt has a lead on me and has clinched the season already. It's like week 17 of the NFL where I'm not playing for anything. There's not even a draft pick. <laughs> like, I don't get anything for, you know, doing better here at the end. So I'm We're just doing it for funsies. And I didn't make today's extra hard. Just oh, to, you know, thanks, Matt. Oh, so now I can I can try and get tantalizingly close. Is that what you're saying to me? Nope. It was it was sarcasm. I made it extra hard. So oh, you just so now the you... full depth of your failure. <sighs> all right. What you ready for an easy question? I'm ready. These are all from Pygmalion. Oh, recent. Okay. Your easy question: What does Mo win at the Duff Beer Festival? Uh, a calendar with his face on it. I mean, what? Literally, for, what he gets to be on the calendar. Okay, I'm not asking what the prize is. I'm like, what does he participate in that he ends up winning? Oh, what was the, was the actual competition? It's a bartending competition. Okay, I was gonna, I was going for beer tender contest, but sure, I'll give I'm sorry, you it. Beer tender, my bad. Beer tender. That's what the the verbiage they use. They call it a beer I tender. Know, give me a question. Let's get this All over right. with. Your easy question: In Lisa's Pony, where does homework get a second job? We get the quickie mart. Uh, you're correct. Your medium question, Matt, what is the name of the soap opera Mo joins? Uh, it never ends. <sighs> You're correct. All right, Robbie, your medium question. Uh-huh. What does Lisa need Homer to get for her for the talent competition? A reed for her saxophone. Okay, for a bonus point, what size reed? Oh, God. Uh, three and three eighths. Ooh, sorry, it's a four and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half. He writes it on his shoe. He does write it on his shoe. King Toot. King Toot. Okay, your hard question, Matt. Who is the listed cast for It Never Ends? I need oh, it. I have no... Oh, oh, okay, hold on. I might know one or two of them. Give me just a sec. <laughs> I have no... Oh, wait. No, I know all the answers. Don't worry. No, no, no. I might know one of them. Gabriella St. Farge, I'm pretty sure, is one of them. That is the, the uh, that is the I need the both the actor and the the part they play. Oh lord. Isn't it Gabriella St. Farge as Gabriella St. something really close to her name? St. Farge? 
<sighs> and introducing Mo Sislak as uh, Dr. Tad Winslow. I don't know any of the rest of them. Well, it's Gabriella Defarge, Defarge. as Gabriella St. Farge. Oh, okay, sure. And then there's only three of them. There is Gabriella Defarge. Then there's Allegra Hamilton as Sister Bernadette and Roxy Monoxide. Oh, okay. And finally, Moses Lack, introducing Moses Lack as Dr. Tad Winslow. So it's just those three, huh? There's only three, yeah, three, four oh, characters, okay. three actors. That's the only ones that get proper credits. They get like little title cards with illustrations of them, of their, of the characters. I'm assuming that's modeled after actual soap operas. Right. And I think it's even funnier that it's called It Never Ends when we've had most soap operas have recently ended because no one is watching them anymore. Right. What's my hard question, man? Your hard question. Who judges the talent competition in Lisa's Pony? Um, Krusty. Um, assuming there's three because that's how that's how you do it. Krusty, that's what it'd be. Um, I got no one else but Krusty. Krusty, Burns, and uh, Bumblebee Man. Okay, I think you're going a little too Springfield wide. It's a school talent competition, so it is actually uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy, Lunch Lady Doris, and Willie. Willie's Willie and Doris. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they got Bleeding Gums. That's something. That's that's a a unusual get for them. Wouldn't they just? Wouldn't he just automatically give Lisa a perfect score because he likes Lisa? You'd think, but she was real bad, so, yeah. Maybe he's just brutally, he's like, you need the pain, you need to know how bad you did. Precisely. Okay. Um, Matt wins. We already knew that. Matt has won. We we tied today, but that I, Matt got a, has a seven-point lead, the final score, 54 to 47. Last week was rough on poor Robbie. Yeah, it was six to one, Matt. Yeah, it was really rough on poor Robbie. You can hear me scream in last week's episode after you pull answers oh. out of your butt. All right, um, Matt's gonna. We'll do the same thing we did last season. Where Matt, not will Matt. Matt will pick a charity, and I will. Uh, I will donate fifty dollars to that charity, and then we will solicit donations from that charity. Uh, once Matt decides, Matt, you have to pick a different charity. You cannot pick oh, of the course, same. Of course, you can't be lazy. All right, I do have some bonus questions for you, though. Are you ready for some bonus, some bonus questions? Um, yep. these are, these are from Sean. Uh, before he gives me these questions, he also says, also, if you guys think season 15 is going to be any better, I decided to do an advanced watch with this quarantine time. You're sadly depressingly wrong. Yeah. In fact, the episode where Moda's, Moda Simpson comes back made me shut my computer down for the rest of the night. May God have mercy on your souls. Cool. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, great. Look really great. That makes me feel real great about going to watch season 15. Um, these are trivia questions from Break My Wife, please. Oh, dear. Your favorite episode, Matt. You loved Break My Wife, Please, right? I mean... You can just say no. It's very bad. It's okay. You can just say no. That's a terrible episode. I hated it. Um, Number one. In his conversation with Milhouse at the Aquarium, what type of shark did Bart say he would be? Uh, I believe it was a nurse shark. What type of shark did Bart say he would be? Oh, Bart. No, no. Milhouse says nurse shark. Uh, Tiger shark? That is correct. At the hospital, Marge called Mo to see if Homer was there because she needed his insurance card. What time was it? Uh, 11 a.m. Wow. What? Wow. You got it. I don't know. That's pulled... when he gets the brew shakes. <laughs> you remember. I don't know. Okay. Number three. What are the two movies Homer was watching at the video store? Uh, oh, it's not Monkey Trauma Center. 
It's something involving a chimp and something that's basically steel magnolias. I don't, I don't remember the names. Buttercups of Autumn. That was the one, yep. And Editor in Chimp. Editor in Chimp, that was it. Your next question, what was the name of the cell phone company Lindsay, Lindsay Nagel claimed to work for? Oh, uh, Omni, Omnitouch? Very qual sailor. Oh, yeah, Omnitouch was the one in uh, the, the Lisa episode. Make room for Lisa, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number five. We see ten items plugged into Homer's car's cigarette lighter named Seven. Okay, uh, there's the deep fryer. Uh, there is the TV. There is the uh the karaoke station i guess you could call it uh there is they're called karaoke machines man karaoke machine yeah um there is i want to say snow cones or froyo or ice cream machine of some type um there is uh i want to say a hot plate slash oven um that's all i got we have fog machine snow cone maker coffee maker tv speaker DVD player, light bright, a deep fryer, a karaoke machine, and finally a fax machine are all 10 the items. fax machine, that's right. That's why he tries to get help, of course. Uh, number six, how did Skinner and Krabappel spend their time while stuck in traffic? Uh, oh, uh, they practice a standardized test. Correct. Pete Proctor, she takes the test. Yes. A teacher assessment. Yes, technically correct, Mac, the be- Matt, the best kind of correct. Exactly. Uh, and, and Sean also notes at the end, also wanted to note that this was the second episode in three weeks to end a Marge and Homer quarrel by bringing in a musical guest star to create a song for them. Wow, yeah. Woo! Uh, Sean yeah. also says thanks to us for keeping everyone sane for during the quarantine, and I thank you guys for listening. We appreciate everyone who is taking this terrible ride along with us. Um. So Matt has won trivia once again, unsurprisingly. This is like a it's the David and Goliath story, except Goliath always wins. Oh, not always. You've won before. <laughs> you mean the one time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, one time. Exactly. All right. We can move on to our final segment. The segment every single episode with is time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of the show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically as we watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. So, Matt. Mm-hmm. Where does this go? Okay. This is not going in our bottom 20, because quite frankly, it's actually pretty good. Honestly, it's probably going above our, even our bottom 50, I would think. I think this is the best episode of season 14. All right, let me look at season 14. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. Our number one episode of season 14 right now is The Dad Who Knew Too Little. Oh, yeah, this is better than that. Wow, okay. Which is at number 146. 146 okay wow so this 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 might even this is going top 150 okay so let's see post golden years that's actually that the dad junior to little is 12 in our post golden year rankings yes so hmm. i think this is better than miracle on evergreen terrace easily yeah now then we get to a, 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 a we get we're we're running up against this is here we are matt here we this, we haven't been in this territory in a long time to be fair we yeah. are we are running up to flaming Moe's, which we uh, is long been our like our litmus test, our Mendoza line. <laughs> Not I I I'm gonna go back to the Mendoza line as many times as I possibly can in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is the line of demarcation keeping, I believe, good to great. 
or good to above better than good maybe not great who knows we're i don't know how you want to mince words but yeah. flaming mose is the is the line where we go is it is it above flaming mose is it that good and i don't think it is no it's not quite there but it's close honestly the one i'm looking at is uh they saved lisa's brain i want to say that it's better than that uh I'm not sure about mom and pop art, which for some reason I just the second and third times through were a lot better for me. And I really appreciated they saved Lisa's brain is where I'm kind of going. Maybe it's better. It's good, but it's also got a lot of issues. And I feel like this episode doesn't really have a lot of issues. No, it's largely the main thing is the weird mobster stuff where they just appear out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And like you're and it's just like, oh, Marge later says, you know, Marge does say, oh, well, yeah, they're there all the time. I bring them lemonade. And I'm like, you gotta give us that information prior. If you if you start off the episode with Marge just giving lemonade to the mobsters and then they wander away, okay. Then I buy it sure. because it's already happened. I can I you gotta but just randomly at the very end of the like near the the last act, they disappear because we need them to. And it's very like, ah uh, like it's for a good cause because it ends up wrapping up the episode really really tightly and gives us a, a really good end of uh, arc for mo but it's really jarring when you're just like wait a minute why are the mobs just talking about murder right outside maggie's window because it's a very because they need it to, to happen but i like is it like there's there's a uh, there's mom and pop art there's they save lisa's brain and right that is home r um which my memories of are better than it actually is that's still not a bad episode, but it, it still has holes. It still has problems. Um, yeah, they save Lisa's brain. That's that's the Simpson gene rent one, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, and then it also doesn't make any real. Doesn't actually make sense, but eh, who cares? Um, it does have. It has a lot of heart too. You know, all these have heart. These are all latter. These are after golden years, but they all have heart, and they all mostly make sense, which carries a lot of weight. I don't think this is better than Mom and Pop Art, like you said. I think you're right. Mom and Pop Art is really good. I really like Mom and Pop Art a lot. It's probably my, I don't know. It's one of my favorite post-Golden Years episodes. Um, just the idea of Homer charging into that barbecue pit with an umbrella. That's, I laugh every time that happens. Um, they save Lisa's brain. Is it better than they save Lisa's brain, Matt? I don't know. The fact that there was a doctor of complicated surgery makes me say yes. <laughs> um, I think they're very close. I think it's very, very, very close. My, my, I have a very fuzzy mem- memory of they say Lisa's brain. It is a Lisa episode, so I'm, I'm, I tend to, you know, I, I think. Hmm, hmm. My gut says this is not as good as they say Lisa's brain. Okay. <laughs> it's very close. It's one of those where I'm like, maybe it's it's just that is a really good home release episode. And it's it's hard to have a Mo Maggie episode compete with that. Yeah, it really is. It's it's even like even like third tier home release episodes still, I think, outrank most Mo. Um, I do think it's better than Homer, though. Not really any doubt. Homer is like good. But when you rewatch it, you're like, oh, there's all these problems. It like it and it does a lot of hand waving, which, to be fair, this episode does as well. But my baby blues, uh, 
our highest ranked for season 14 episode uh now at number 144 on our list right above homar right below they saved lisa's brain wasn't expecting this from this episode which i'm very happy about um now it's a new number what new number 11 in the post golden years ranking our number one episode is still homer's enemy our last place episode is still the strong arms of them all it's going it's a, that's a strong last place episode might never get replaced but we'll find out um you never know these epi- this season has turned out worse than we thought so we'll see next week well yeah we i mean we get mona and the mona returns in the second episode of season 15 so well we we'll see what we get the first episode of season 15 our next episode next week is trials of horror uh let's see 14 so we get this is Reaper Madness, where Homer is the Grim Reaper. We get Frankenstein, where Frank is. We get we get Frank Senior. Oh yeah. And then we get uh, the stop the world. I want to goof off, which is the Bart and Millhouse stopwatch that stops the time. Oh yeah, that one's pretty good. Yeah, oh god, but, season fifteen has the fat and the furriest. Oof. And we get uh, well, we get Jerry Lewis. So we have Jerry Lewis in this uh, in this episode. So that's pretty fun. Um, not really. <sighs> I, I'm kind of I'm I, at this point I'm very hesitant toward until we get to the movie because I know yeah. after the movie it, it gets better broadly I don't know about necessarily all the time Not but individual episodes but you know yeah overall overall in a general sense it's better um, but next week more trails of horror we'll talk to we'll 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 we can watch along with us we can listen in uh, see how we think about our trails of horror rankings if anything changes I haven't watched this trails I've actually I think I've watched this one relatively recently. Because I remember the Frankenstein thing pretty pretty good. I was watching it for some reason. Probably just for Halloween. Um, this list is on our website. It's thesimpsonshow.com. Our website has links to everything. Our Twitter, our RSS feed, our Patreon. If you want to help out the show, give us a couple bucks a month. We'd really appreciate it. It helps pay for hosting, helps keep the lights on, and you get a bunch of bonus podcasts to go along, for, along with it if you like. Um, you can find me online on twitter at robbie dorman my website is robbiedorman.com it includes links to all my stuff my other podcasts and my books my horror novels there are four of them conquest truth underneath and now the split circle the split circle is a story of an exiled american trapped in a small eastern european town must investigate a soccer death cult before he is trapped inside the split circle go check it out on amazon uh, you can read for free with Kindle Unlimited. Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. Uh, that's true. During these trying times, we all need things that make us feel better. Do you know what makes everyone feel better? Do you, Robbie? Uh, uh, waffle? Those do help, yes. But I was going to say kittens. If you want to see some incredibly cute kittens, uh, just follow uh, my wife's kitten account, uh, Kitten Interns, K-I-T-T-I-N-T-E-R-N-S, uh, on Instagram to see the cutest kittens you will ever see. They are so floofy, and all they want to do is look at you with sad eyes. They are cute cats. I can I can verify, corroborate, cute kittens. Very cute. They do help my the jury existential crisis I face every day. Exactly. They make you everything better. Everything better. With that, I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. And keep watching this episode. Shh.